0: But anyone who, who, you know, they have bacterial overgrowth, they typically have low stomach acid, they typically just pretty much need a lot of help with the vagus nerve too. Mm. Um, <clears throat> whether they've had trauma. I mean, that's a huge trigger, or they're just not really taking care of themselves in general. Like, I almost hate to say it. But like, if you're just rushing through life, you know, mm. you might be accomplishing things, you might be, you know, marking off, all the boxes, everything, but you might not even be like stretching or taking any time to process your own emotions or thoughts. And so I think a lot of people, especially women, um, I think that they just kind of reach a place where they're like, I'm so bloated. I look like I'm five months pregnant, And I can't go to the bathroom or I take one bite of food and I have to go to the bathroom. Mm. And I think there needs to be an understanding that this started happening a long time ago. Mm. There were probably a lot of triggers. There's probably just a whole story that could have been written about your gut, but you were way too busy rushing through life and understandably so um, that you really weren't able to see how this whole thing happened. But there's a lot that went into it. Welcome to the Win It Life podcast, a place where we
1: share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by our friend, Courtney Semain. Courtney works in the pro-metabolic community as a functional nutritional practitioner. She helps women with health struggles, including PCOS, thyroid conditions, IBS, migraines, acne, and infertility heal through nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle changes. Like a lot of women, she suffered from many health issues, including PCOS, hypothyroidism chronic migraines chronic fatigue food allergies and anxiety at her lowest point she was introduced to functional lab testing nutrition and targeted supplementation and hasn't looked back in this episode we talk about the connection between an unsupported metabolism and SIBO and gut health specifically we discuss what is SIBO how chronic stress impacts the gut what happens when someone can't make enough stomach acid Trauma and how it impacts the gut and digestion, why the body needs sugar and carbs for a healthy metabolism, common superfoods and why they aren't actually superfoods, why cruciferous vegetables aren't as good as they're made out to be, why seeds and nuts might not be the best snack choice for those with gut issues, healing foods for the intestines and the importance of minerals. So if you're a woman who struggles with SIBO or gut issues, you'll love this episode. And as always, don't forget to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram stories with your biggest takeaways and tag me at k i t t y Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Courtney. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast. It's so awesome to have you here. You're gorgeous. I, always, I was just saying it before, I'm like, every time I look at you on Instagram, I'm like, oh, she's just so gorgeous. Um, but a really nice person too. And obviously very, very um, knowledgeable, gorgeous on the inside and, and the outside. Welcome to the, sh- welcome to the podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Kitty. And thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to chat today.
1: Yeah, so we're going to chat because I get lots and lots of questions from women about gut health, um, also SIBO, and I know that's something that you really focus on with your clients and are quite know- knowledgeable in. And I think, you know, a lot of women, particularly if they come from a background like me, you know, ate really clean. Um, you know, we were just talking about it before. I ate, I just oh, got everything almonds, almond meal, nut butters made cakes and stuff with um, almond flour you know a lot of green vegetables um brown rice you know but I really thought that I was doing the right thing and I thought that I was being healthy um and often I'll get a lot of like when I post on Instagram which is understandable because people just don't know you know like me if I would have read that stuff eight years ago I would have been like oh what's this rubbish you know that's really healthy you should be eating that how dare you say eat sugar and you know that these things maybe aren't easy for your body to digest. So I don't even know where we start because I feel like this topic so so big but actually before we do that let's just tell the viewers quickly about your history and background and how you fell into this pro-metabolic eating.
0: Yeah no absolutely well I'll try to keep it short I know I already (laughs) told you that I can ramble sometimes (laughs) so I'm trying to keep it short here. So my health journey started a while ago almost eight years ago so I was in college and I had had some health issues leading up to that chronic migraines, but you know, I had imitrex. I would take, you know, endless amounts of Advil and I was fine. (laughs) Then things kind of reached this breaking point when I got mono. And so pretty much I started having the worst exhaustion ever. I was already hypothyroid, but I took armor thyroid. I thought I was fine. I was like, Oh, it just runs in the family. It's okay. Um, but when I got epstein bar, that's when everything really hit me and I was so exhausted. I couldn't have another cup of coffee to fix it. I couldn't have more Advil to fix the inflammation. So I had to come face to face with what am I going to do? Um, and fortunately I chose to go a more integrative route. And although it wasn't the best approach with that integrative practitioner, it was a really good starting place. So started looking into things that could be, really contributing to my fatigue with food, all these different things. I started researching a ton. Eventually I just stopped working with the practitioner and I kind of took over. So um I researched all the time. And I was telling you before we started recording, it's actually kind of funny. So I know you mentioned, you know, how did I get started with the whole prometabolic lifestyle? And I told you, well, in 2016, far Way, way, way before I found, you know, any of you or all our other friends in this community, I was having the raw carrots for estrogen and liver, red light therapy, castor oil packs, and really moving towards emphasizing higher quality animal protein and raw milk actually was another thing. So it's actually kind of crazy looking back on that. I did not have all the steps in place. I was very, very afraid of sugar at that point. I would literally count half grams of sugar, (laughs) but actually at the beginning of 2020, um, I just kind of happened into it. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but really quickly I started connecting with a lot of people and you were one of them. And it was kind of like all these pieces were starting to come together because actually prior to that, I had honestly given up when it came to resisting sugar, (laughs) I just started eating it and it felt really, really good. And I was kind of thinking this doesn't line up exactly with what I believe, but this feels really good. And so I'm just going to give myself a little bit of time to do this just because I feel like mental health or not feel, I believe mental health is the most important thing. And it was really good for my mental health. Then I was very happy to come across, um, A lot of people who are actually talking about the whole concept of, Hey, like you just need a metabolism that is supported. And yes, you can lose nutrients if you eat a lot of sugar, but that's why, you know, you need to be completely nourished with what you're eating. And so it, it will cause your metabolism to be more supported, but you need to have all the pieces together, basically. See, mm. I'm rambling now. So. No, no, you're not. I, I totally you. get that because a lot yeah. of people said to
1: me, oh, yeah, but you eat sugar. It depletes nutrients. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. because you're improving your metabolic rate. So you need more nutrients. It's not that the sugar is depleting the nutrients. I know because people I used to yeah. think that, too. And people ask me that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I. I also was really terrified because, um, a naturopath that I visited once weird experience. I could, I could probably talk about that for a little while, but, um, I was also told that when you eat sugar, you feed cancer. And so, you know, all the macronutrients are going to feed it. So like protein and fat, because whenever you eat food, it causes things to pretty much progress in the body, like Mm -hmm. it's energy, of course, everything is going to contribute to that. And so that actually really, really scared me. And I was living in a state of fear for a long time Mm -hmm. and understanding that, no, I'm not going to just eat sugar. I'm going to have really nutrient dense foods and I'm going to have sugar. And actually, I mean, I'm, I'm far from being hypothyroid now where everyone in my family is. I was ever since the age of 14. I mean, probably before that, but that's when they realized that I was, you know, the doctor. Um, But yeah, honestly, just a huge, a huge, complete change, a huge shift. Um, I'm, I'm an even happier person now too, not being afraid of carbs. And obviously, like I've always for a long time emphasized protein, but bringing this into the mix and no longer depriving myself when I never needed to in the first place. It's been, it's been pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And you and I were just talking about like the whole um, like eating carbs and, you know, being surprised at how much you can eat. And I think, you know, like I'm a really in our program, a big advocates for, for tracking and I even still loosely track because I, Subconsciously, I think deep down when I'm not going, you need to, cause if I don't eat like 2,500 plus calories, I just don't sleep even when I'm not training. Um, and, you know, I, even if I don't sort of roughly track, I just tend to undereat. you know, cause you sort of look at the food and you think, oh gee, that's a lot of carbs to be having, you, in, but you, you actually need that. And I still, even now, like I've d- dialed back my training cause we're trying to have a baby. So I've just been doing all this like body weight stuff um, so obviously it's not as taxing on the body and you don't need as much energy, but I've still been eating like 350 grams of carbohydrates a day still, mm-hmm. you know, I think women, uh, and obviously, you know, I don't want people, if you've been eating 1400 calories, don't go out and then start eating like 50 grams of carbs a day. Don't go and eat for mm-hmm. 350. I think you need to meet your body where it's out and increase gradually. But yeah, I think we're just so conditioned. Women are so conditioned that you just eat low carb. Eat no sugar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, if you watch any, like, 90s, 2000s movie, it's horrible. Like, every now and then, like, I'll watch, like, an old TV show or something. And most of the time, I'll hear a comment, like, oh, like, I'm avoiding carbs. Or, like, (laughs) I'm getting married, so I won't have the carbs. Um, And that's really toxic because... (laughs) That's why a lot of women are really, really struggling. that's, you know, one of the things that contributes to women, you know, having chronic stress, mental health issues, because they're not actually fueling their bodies, issues with sleep, anxiety, issues with their periods, losing their periods, all those things. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Not good.
1: Isn't it crazy? Like some of the women in our program that have got the best results have Mm. just done all the basics. I haven't taken a heap of supplements, you know. I'm not that I'm saying you shouldn't take supplements. So I take right. supplements, you know. And there are some really great ones. But you can, you know, if you lower stress, nourish your body, get a, get the liver, eat the oysters, you know, eat enough carbs, rest, get sun. It's amazing that the body really can self regulate, you know. Yeah. And it can you can really make some great um, improvements. And I think you know that's what I really love about Reped and my business partner, Emma, you know, and a lot of the other people in yeah. the in the community, it's like, you know, f- focus on the basics because mm-hmm. you really, um, I mean, I see you talk about it a lot, which I like. It's like targeted supplementation, you know, what yeah. are the specific supplements you need that will help you? Because I think I find a lot of people just taking 10 million supplements and mm-hmm. they're not really focusing on the foundations. But anyway, we're getting off track. But, um, and how old are you? And are you, do you have kids? Are you married? <laughs>
0: I'm married. So I'm 25 and my husband and I have been married for four years. So mm. no kids yet, but I have the world's cutest basset hounds with my little baby.
1: Fur baby like but us.
0: Yeah. Yes, he's the best. I, know, I, love, I love dogs. Um, and having kids in the future, but loving being a dog mom right now.
1: Do people just start, people always ask me, but maybe because I'm old, I'm not old, but I'm like 40. <laughs> when are you going to have a kid? You know, you're thinking about having a kid, you know, you're getting old now. You're twenty-five, so you probably don't get the question so much. I mean,
0: I live in Texas and so in the South, it's like a lot of people get married young, have kids young. Now I would be like an old mom, I think. Really? A lot of people, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: wow.
0: <laughs> I know I'm young, so fine.
1: One one thing I do think about often is like how bad it's gonna be with the no sleep. Like I really feel like in your twenties. Like I did some terrible shit in my 20s, like and late teens, partying, big weekends. And I could just like not sleep, back it up, go straight to work 14 hours. Now if I have a shit sleep, I'm like, oh God, fucking kill me, you know, like <laughs> I just can't survive. I'm like, oh, how bad is it gonna be when we have a baby? I'm not gonna cope, I don't think.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that all the carbs and and everything will help you just make up for it and yeah. Yeah. Like I I'm, die. <laughs> I'm <gonna infertile> <laughs> That's exciting to think about though.
1: Not the no sleep part. But no, but the baby, the baby part. part. Yeah, it's not forever. It's not forever. There's an end end date to it eventually. Um, okay, well let's oh talk God. about gut health because people don't want to hear about me having a kid and not <laughs> sleeping. Um all right, well let maybe like I don't know. Well, I'm just trying to think where we even even start. Like, what is the gut? Maybe you can talk about the gut. Like when we're talking about the gut, what is it? <laughs>
0: Well, it's the small intestines and the large intestines, (laughs) you know, it's the whole thing. It's pretty much, you know, yeah. Yeah. Stomach, which usually those have issues with their gut. Mm. They might not visibly, you know, be able to tell that they're having issues with the whole thing, but any, but anyone who, who, you know, they have bacterial overgrowth. They typically have low stomach acid. They typically just, pretty much need a lot of help with the vagus nerve too. Mm. Um, <clears throat> whether they've had trauma. I mean, that's a huge trigger or they're just not really taking care of themselves in general. Like I almost hate to say it, but like, if you're just rushing through life, you know, mm. you might be accomplishing things. You might be, you know, marking off all the boxes, everything, but you might not even be like, stretching or taking any time to process your own emotions or thoughts and so i think a lot of people especially women um i think that they just kind of reach a place where they're like i'm so bloated i look like i'm five months pregnant And I can't go to the bathroom or I take one bite of food and I have to go to the bathroom. Mm. And I think there needs to be an understanding that this started happening a long time ago. Mm. There were probably a lot of triggers. There's probably just a whole story that could have been written about your gut, but you were way too busy rushing through life and understandably so, um, that you really weren't able to see how this whole thing happened. But there's a lot that went into it.
1: So when, you know, because I think, you know, I, when, I, when women come into our program and, you know, like they've been starving themselves for years. So, like, we're all conditioned to we want to eat 1,200 calories to lose weight. So, they've been doing that for a number of years. They're exercising a lot. So, that's placing more stress on the body. They've got all these, like you say, trauma or stress in their life or bad relationships. So, all of this mm-hmm. stress is affecting their metabolism and their body. So, how does all of that uh, stress affect their gut. So you talked about the hydrochloric acid, the digestive enzymes, like what what's happening when, this, when they get so stressed like this over years and years and years?
0: Yeah, well, it's going to mess with your minerals. So a lot of people who go through chronic stress, they lose a lot of sodium. And mm-hmm. so that's going to make you exhausted. That's going to mess with how much stomach acid you have. And typically those who have Hashimoto's, for example, which is part of my story, there's low stomach acid and pretty much, you know, when there are antibodies that show up for Hashimoto's um, I, I always look towards, okay, is there an infection in the gut? Typically it's like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. Mm-hmm. And usually when that is addressed, antibodies go away completely or mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your question again, Kitty?
1: Oh, I guess, you know, like, cause a lot of women, you know, I think, and this is how it it, it makes sense to me and I keep things really simple it's like when your body is functionally optimally and you've got giving it the right nutrients and energy you know there's all these systems in your body your digestive system reproductive system they're like oh great everything's good
0: you know Mm -hmm. we've got energy
1: we can do what we need to do but then when you know over a number of years you're not giving your body that energy and nutrients Mm -hmm. you know you, you mentioned you know, like peristalsis, which is movement of the intestine slows down and you're not making as much hydrochloric acid. So all of these mm-hmm. systems, it's like they down regulate, um, you know, and you talked about like less hydrochloric acid. So what happens when someone is not making adequate hydrochloric acid?
0: Yeah, well, when that's not happening, you're not able to break down all your food and also you're more prone to infection because that mm. stomach acid protects you from pathogens that can otherwise enter into the intestinal tract. And so um, one of the main causes of that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is food poisoning. Mm-hmm. But how can a whole room of people eat the same thing basically, and only a few people get sick, it's typically because they have low stomach acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so especially if anyone has traveled overseas, mm-hmm. and they've had food poisoning, <laughs> that was a part of my story. I was the only one who ended up getting sick. And I was so confused that the time looking back, it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that right there, you know, that's another part of the reason why people need to be cautious if they're having sushi. Um, mm-hmm. If they're even having raw oysters, they can be great for some people, but not for everyone. So um, when there's low stomach acid, you're just more prone to getting an infection in the gut. So you have to work on a lot of things in order to help restore normal levels of stomach acid. It's not just taking HCL. Oftentimes that can actually cause things to be worse. There's a time and a place for it in small Mm. amounts, but typically it's after a lot of the work has been done and a lot of the foundation has been laid. Um, Mm. I'm not always against it, but it's not Mm. anything that I view as being necessary. Um,
1: Well, I guess it's not actually fixing the issue, right? Like it's, it's just treat, it's treating the symptom. And I think that's what a lot yeah. of diets do is they just treat the symptoms. And can you talk more about SIBO? So what is it? Cause we've used it, but some people will be like, what the hell is SIBO? What does yeah. that what do mean? Like, <laughs> well, what does that, it stand for? And what does it mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So this is where we're going to see a lot of bloating and pretty much, It depends on if you have hydrogen or methane. Um, So usually there's a combo for some people, but a lot of people, they can be hydrogen or methane dominant. Um, And so basically, you know, it kind of depends on if they have like, slow motility and there's like constipation basically, or they're like rushing to the bathroom, like classic IBS. Anyone who has IBS, by the way, it's actually been confirmed that the root cause of that is SIBO. Mm -hmm. So not sure when that will actually make it completely to the mainstream, but hopefully people will realize that you don't just need to work the way you eat around that forever. It's actually possible to heal, but there's a literal infection in the gut. And with that, it's not just harmful bacteria. It's also too much good bacteria. So if you just keep on having tens and tens of probiotics, mm. that's a really expensive mistake, honestly, because you're going to worsen your blow, just increase the amount of bacteria in the small intestine. And if you look at a GI map, for example, there's a place where it lists out the pathogenic bacteria and the normal slash good bacteria. And if you have too much good bacteria too, that lets me know that there's way too much of that activity in the small intestine as well. So that's another thing is that I think not everyone realizes that it's not always bad. It's also good. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just pretty much like an overall imbalance, overall dysbiosis.
1: Mm. So should the small intestine be sterile? Like, is, is that what happens so that the bacteria mm-hmm. is just coming up into the small intestine and it's become, like you say, unbalanced?
0: Yeah. Well, it, there used to be a belief that it, mm. it, it needs to be completely sterile, but now it's more so like mostly sterile is how mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. So mm-hmm. most of the bacteria is supposed to be in the large intestine.
1: Mm. And it makes sense, I guess, you know, like if you're, If your body isn't functioning well and things aren't moving and it's not getting digested and you're getting constipated, that bacteria is going to, you know, go crazy and, like Mm -hmm. you say, creep up into the small intestine. And we've seen women in our program who, you know, they come in and they just seem to bloat when they eat everything, Um, but Mm -hmm. when they actually really focus on fixing the system – like improving, as you see their temps and pulses come up and they start to sleep better, you're like all of a sudden they're like, oh, over time I can now eat this food and I'm not bloated anymore. Now I'm pooing every day, um, which is so cool. And what I think I really like too about the whole Ray Peat world is it's, you know, he's about fixing the system instead of going like let's just focus on this um, one part. Because I think, you know, like if you're a healthy person, like we i mean i eat certain types of food most of the time but i'm not perfect you know Mm. i'll still go and eat things that maybe aren't you know optimal but i can eat them and it's fine you know i don't get these huge bloating issues and i think if everything's functioning well you should be able to you know occasionally eat stuff that's not optimal and not you know be rolling over in pain and be nine (laughs) nine months um nine months pregnant so Maybe then can we talk about, so we talked to, so what, what actually gets you to that place? We've talked about that. So low calorie yeah. diets, lots of mm-hmm. stress. I really like how you talked about the trauma because I think that's really important. And I just, because I've never really had any bad digestive issues, but Craig has, and he's mm. good now, but it took him a couple of years to really work through it. And I think too, probably the stress of our business, you know, like we are pretty busy and we grew a gym and then mm. opened the online business. But he always notices whenever he gets really stressed, or he doesn't, you know, go for his walk and get his son, it does affect his digestion. Um, so can you maybe talk about that, like how stressful events can affect it?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So with trauma, it's obviously going to have an impact on the body. And my belief is that there can be people who just have honestly more of a reaction with their gut or they can be more predisposed to having like chronic headaches or migraines. I think most people do lean towards having issues with their gut when they're under stress or if they've experienced typically a lot of childhood trauma or early, early adulthood trauma, but more so it's even worse if it was like early childhood. And then you just kind of had a lot of stressors past that point, which happens to a lot of people. Um, but pretty much not not processing things. Um, have you ever read the book? The body keeps the score.
1: Mm -mm. I'll have to rate it though.
0: So interesting. So valuable. So, um, do not quote me on this, (laughs) (laughs) but basically not being able to process food can relate to not being able to process your life, your trauma, your pain, the things that have happened to you. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people are also very invalidated. They are not they're not allowed room or space to heal. And usually that's because another person isn't healthy enough to create that space. So Mm -hmm. anyone who is not healed cannot help another person heal. So that's why I think we see a lot of generational trauma, honestly, where there's just like massive amounts of invalidation and, you know, mom has Hashimoto's and can never go to the bathroom and her daughter is the same way. And what's going to happen, you know, next, if there's, (laughs) like another person past that point, like probably the same thing unless it's stopped because it's not only our genetics, it's also our trauma that's within the family. Um, and honestly, it's, it's a lot harder, but it's a lot better for people to be aware of that and to take the steps needed to heal. So things like EFT, even just like m- Normal counseling can help, but more so I would say like EMDR, EFT, rapid transformational therapy, all of those things are going to be so much better for trauma. And mm. if you do have issues with your digestion and you have trauma, if you're just having issues with your digestion, I would say work with a practitioner. But I, but a hundred percent of the time, if I have clients who have massive results within even matter, I would say of days, weeks, months, but more so like when they start a protocol that I give them and if they have results within the first couple of days and then they are good to go within, I would say like a month and a half, they're like, wow, my acne has gone. I'm not bloated at all. Everything's amazing. They haven't had a lot of trauma in their lives a hundred percent of the time and that's amazing and i'm so incredibly happy for them but it takes people longer to heal when there's been trauma because of the vagus nerve too so the vagus nerve runs from around this area to the other end um so so basically that's going to impact your digestion so much and so um things like gargling humming singing all of those things are going to help stimulate your vagus nerve you can do some stretches mm-hmm. but A lot of people, like, especially those who've had verbal abuse that can impact like this own region of your body. And a lot of times if you've been told to repress certain things, boom, you're going to be a person that struggles with constipation that happens so often. And Mm -hmm. I've had clients who have really struggled with that. And we have walked through a protocol and it's been very effective, very, very impactful, but I still tell them do EFT. Like you need to do it. You need to do it because once you do it, you'll feel better immediately. And a lot of people, they've walked through that. And like right after they've utilized that on their own time, when they've been really stressed, for example, they've been able to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, yes, you have to have the practical steps of like what's irritating your gut. What do you need to be taking? What's happening with your minerals, all these different things, a ton of stuff goes into it, but it's also, are you even giving your body permission to heal or to go to the bathroom or to be rewired and restored? Cause I know that mentally you want it to be, but do you really, really want it to be, or are you kind of, I guess in a way like mimicking possibly like those unhealthy actions that others had towards you when you were growing up or when you were a really young adult or something, and you were in a relationship either with your parents or with a partner who just wasn't that great to you. Cause that happens to a lot of people. And so I think understanding that it's not your responsibility to reenact that abuse in a way towards yourself, but that you need to be your own advocate, but you might need to kind of Rewire that programming in in a way until you can actually be as good to yourself as you want to be and as you need to be.
1: Mm, I I totally agree with that 100%. Like, I think about some of the women in our program who've had the most incredible transformations. Like, they've done a lot of deep internal work and counseling, and you know, which has resulted in a really amazing physical transformation because they've been able to let go of a lot of trauma um and you know we've got this friend Jim Bostock I interviewed him on one of our previous podcasts he's just I don't even know how to describe what he is but he's like a physio by trade he's not really a physio he's like a nerve lock specialist Mm -hmm. and um he's just got this gift you know he can touch you on your body and he'll feel where the nerve lock is and release it like it's just incredible and he always talks about the people that come to see him who have the ongoing pain they have a lot of trauma heaps Mm -hmm. of trauma he's like it's so linked to pain and when they a lot of the time when they resolve that the pain goes away too for a lot of them and Mm -hmm. it just makes so much sense doesn't it
0: it does that's Mm -hmm. amazing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah I think that's a really good point actually like you can do all the work like okay I'm eating the food and I'm doing whatever with the training and I'm getting sun Mm -hmm. but if there's some unresolved trauma or like like emotional things going on it can really Mm -hmm. affect your body
0: I can. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like any, any time there's slow progress or anything like that, when all the steps have been taken, I tell people, it's actually a gift that things aren't resolving completely because your body is telling you that it needs to heal. And so yes, it would be easier if everything was resolved and if the bloat had gone away completely, you know, there's always improvement. For example, there can be a client where their eczema goes away because of the protocol mm-hmm. and that's great. Um, but there are other things that, you know, aren't moving as quickly. And like I said, I tell them it's a gift. I don't need you to mm-hmm. stress or <laughs> not. I don't need you to.
1: No. It so I don't
0: want, I don't want you to. Cause like, I, I genuinely care about you and I want you to know almost like from a higher perspective, if you will, that like, this is a good thing that this mm. hasn't happened and it hasn't resolved because it's literally like, Hey, we're still here. And so pain speaks. And a lot of times, if, if there is anything remaining, it's, it's the only reason why an individual will push towards actually getting the help for trauma for resolving, you know, those things that they always know is going on Mm. and that they know needs to heal. Um, But yeah, it's a gift when it doesn't heal completely, if they need that internal healing.
1: Yeah. I think, I feel like people who stumble into this world and even myself and I'm sure you're the same is it's just, it's so much more than nutrition. Like it's, you really go on this crazy journey of like, (laughs) looking deep inside yourself and facing issues and stories and you know like you say old trauma but it's exciting at the same time because you really I don't know like it's really has changed I'm sure it's changed your life too you know so much and so I feel so passionately about it because I really feel like it can open up so many other things in your life as well once you you know resolve a lot of these issues you know nutritionally and internally I think
0: yeah
1: yeah I
0: completely agree. And I think that the way that things are done is really the way that people want to do things. But I think we were talking about this, uh, before we started recording. And so I'm going to mention it, but, um, I think that, I think a lot of people feel like it's wrong to eat in a way and live life in a way that feels too good. And that kind of goes back to, you know, what are you actually believing? Like, Uh What is that programming in your mind telling you? Is it okay? Is it okay to enjoy eating ice cream? Is it okay to understand that you as a human are a hundred percent worthy of eating this high quality animal protein, regardless of what you might hear, you're a person and you're valuable. And so if you're craving that animal protein, go for it because it's partially there for you and you can be respectful and never let animal products, like, ruin, if you can prevent it, like, you know, like, and the French basically, but, you know, you're valuable and you're worthy of this. And, um, I think that a lot of things that we see currently, like the nut burritos and the cauliflower pizza and all these things, I think that it's very, like, not, not in alignment with what people want, but they feel like it's what they need to be doing. And so I think that when you start doing what what your body is actually asking for and what actually feels good, it might feel kind of weird at first. But as you get more into it um, and you realize that you feel better and your mental health is better because you're more supported, I think it really opens the door for there to be just less distraction and less just uh, over here Mm -hmm. where it's like. You're almost a part of like a weird little game (laughs) where you're like, oh, carbs are bad. And I have to have everything with like stevia, um, which on that, it does impact fertility. So I don't know if you saw that, but it's crazy. It's not even good for you.
1: I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I just wanted to quickly jump in and talk more about gelatin and why it's important to include it in your diet. So gelatin is basically the cooked form of collagen. Traditional diets were naturally gelatin rich. Muscle meat wasn't eaten on its own like it is today. A whole joint was stewed. So the muscle, the bone, the skin, the connective tissue and cartilage was all cooked together, which meant you got the full spectrum of amino acids in one meal. These days, we throw away all the good bits. Gelatin is also high in glycine, which is low in muscle and organ meats. It's anti-inflammatory, pro-thyroid, heals damaged intestinal lining, and improves weak stomach acid. So, how do you get more gelatin in your diet? Well, incorporating gelatinous broths is one way. You can also use powdered gelatin for cooking, or use hydrolyzed collagen. One of the reasons we created Saturated Premium Collagen was to make it easier to get more gelatin into your diet. It can be mixed in liquids like coffee, juice, or smoothies, or added to food like yogurt. Our collagen is the highest grade 100% hydrolyzed collagen, which is sourced from Germany. I'm going to pop a link in the show notes so you can check it out as well as a discount code you can use. But don't forget to check out our bundle so you can save it even more. So let's get back to the episode.
0: Just have the sugar. And oh, eat. I know. People ask me all the question. time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that is leads on to a question that someone asked, and maybe we can talk about oh, this yeah, first. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it just actually triggered me. Can you talk yeah. about artificial sweeteners? Why mm-hmm. they're not great. <laughs> so stevia and mm-hmm. all of the other, you know, sweet, but not energy dense sweeteners.
0: Yeah. Well, what it's going to do is it pretty much tricks the body. So it's going to harm your metabolism and it's going to harm the way that your body uses sugar. So, um, you know, there are those that can cause more of a reaction in the gut. Aspartame is mm. actually not the worst for the gut. Really? But it's, yeah, mm. it's, it's actually not. Usually the worst one is sucralose, mm. um, but none of them are good. Um, I would say if you were to ask me, hey, if you were to eat wine, which one would you choose? I would still probably choose like erythritol or something like that. I mean, they don't affect me personally, but... I don't have them. And I've looked at the research and it's not good for your metabolism. It messes up the way that your body responds to sugar. Mm -hmm. And I think that in and of itself is a lesson to people everywhere that you really can't cheat the whole nutrition thing. And maybe we should look into, Hey, is it really that bad to be having things like honey, maple syrup, even, I think I just, yeah. white sugar yeah and white sugar white sugar yeah i thought he said syrup in a weird way um but yeah yeah
1: well i guess it makes sense like you think about it so your body says to you you know you get this sugar craving and you're hungry Mm -hmm. so your body's saying okay kitty i need some fuel give me some carbohydrates give me some glucose give me some sucrose And then you go and eat, say, I'm just going to make something up, like, I don't know, a piece of chicken, (laughs) not that you'd eat this, but, you know, with some stevia. So you're getting the protein, but then you're not getting the energy, right? So then your body goes, okay, cool. I'm still hungry. I need energy. I'm going to have to make energy. So you can talk, can you talk about that? So what happens when you are hungry and you require fuel, but you don't actually give your body the fuel that it needs?
0: Yeah. So your body starts breaking down its own tissues because it's looking out for you, but you're not giving it what it needs. Even if you might have access to it in your fridge (laughs) and you just grab that. So it's actually really stressful, especially for the thyroid. Um, and your liver needs sugar to convert inactive hormone into active. So T4 into T3, you have to have it. So, especially if you're hypothyroid and actually if, if You are insulin resistant or if you have PCOS, it's a question I get all the time on my membership and with clients. I'm asked, well, like I, I thought it was bad to have sugar. So like, what do I do? And I was like, you have to understand if you have PCOS, you need sugar more than almost anyone. You need carbs, but you have to teach your body how to use sugar. So a lot of times I know that you've mentioned macros a little bit, As crazy as it might sound, if I have clients who come from keto, Mm. sometimes I'll start them with a one-to-one ratio and that Mm. scares them. That scares them with carbs. And I'm telling them, no, this is, this is low carb, have a one-to-one ratio. And we'll do that for a little while. And when I'm able to move them from that to a two-to-one and maybe like a 2.5-to-one eventually, (laughs) they feel so good but it's not overnight. And I think a lot of people do rush into it. And that's when they're either like, what's wrong with me or mm. all of this is crap. And like, no, like I was wrong to even think that this would work. It works for other people. Um, but you know, it's really just nothing too fast sometimes or it, not. It, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it is really like, cause it's a head fuck, I think, because you always like every, if you just Google, like, if you go on the internet and Google about diabetes and you know, everything's sugar, insulin resistance is sugar, but it's like it's not really that's just the symptom of your cells not being able to utilize glucose properly due to yeah. you know stress, high-free fatty acids in the blood. So, like if you remove the carbs and the sugar, yes, the symptom goes away, but it's not mm-hmm. fixing it and it's probably making it worse. Like you say, you've mm-hmm. got to train your body to like be able to yourselves to utilize that, you know, like we both would get our clients to cut out or reduce a lot of the polyunsaturated fats in their diet, lower stress. You know, salt is good. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we get our clients to take niacinamide. Um, You know, there's all these obviously things. And like you say, go slow. You know, I think so many women are like, and look, I'm a bit, bit gun ho too i remember when i worked with emma i was just like oh, i'm in you know I'm, t- I'm going all in i just ate everything you know just <laughs> ate all the sugar and because i was like oh, i just didn't give a shit i wanted to do it but i think if you've been doing low carb or keto for a long time like just go slow hey like just yeah. change your ratios over and build up gradually you don't have to it doesn't have to be a race you know and then maybe you won't get feel the shit <laughs> you know yeah. at, at, at the start. Um, Uh, but no that's really good about the artificial sweetness so ladies like honor your cravings honor your hunger if you're hungry Mm -hmm. and you're craving sugar it's your body needing sugar and those things aren't gonna give it what it needs so let's talk about some of the most common and I'm just going to talk about foods that I used to think were the superfoods that are perhaps not so easy to digest and why so number one is green cruciferous vegetables I mm-hmm. ate that shit with every meal. So I would blend up spinach in my shake in the morning. I would have, this was my diet at one point, okay? This is so bad. <laughs> protein powder, whey protein powder, oats, spinach, blended with almond milk in the morning. Then it would be a can of tuna, flaxseed oil, and green beans for morning tea. And I'd have a, a big chicken salad with heaps of spinach in it. Um, mm-hmm. Then afternoon tea, Actually, I didn't have green vegetables. I usually would have boiled eggs with some capsicum, but I'd have green capsicum because it was less sugar than red capsicum, rolls the eyes. Then dinner would be salmon or kangaroo with a big plate of either broccoli or um, cabbage. And I actually used to put coconut oil, which was good, and loads of salt, and then I'd have diet jelly. So nearly every meal that I had had some form of green cruciferous vegetables. So first of all, what are the cruciferous vegetables? And then... Why aren't they maybe as good as everyone says that they are?
0: Yeah. So they, they're they really high in FODMAPs. So those are fibers that ferment in the gut. So if you ever have green veggies or, you know, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and there are, of course, tons of hybrids. Like um, if you even... Um, are ever able to visit an Asian market they'll have a ton of greens and all of those are also related to broccoli even like mm. broccolini there's Chinese broccoli mm. all these different things are all related basically um and so they're mostly mostly all fodmaps not the not the bottom part of broccolini mm. um and so there might be people who respond better to that but they're so they're not, so when you,
1: sorry, just to cut in. So when you say, so they're made of what cellulose.
0: Yeah. And yeah. maps. And so mm. those fermentable fibers mm. are what's causing a lot of issues for people with digestion. So like a lot of my clients will come to me and I always ask like what they're currently eating and mm. all of those women who have a lot of bloat, they'll basically be eating, you know, like cauliflower rice, broccoli, <laughs> Yeah. That I'm like, That's, yeah yes Yes. yeah yeah cabbage shoe. yeah
1: mm. so uh, they one so like we don't make the enzyme to break that down do we make the enzyme to break down cellulose
0: no no
1: okay cool so we can't actually break it down yeah yeah that makes like, sense then yeah
0: uh, not not everyone responds negatively i will say mm. Mm. i never had an issue with broccoli but most people do. So I think most people would benefit from even trying going without those things for a few weeks. Probably not going to miss it. They're really not that nutrient dense. Yeah,
1: Because that's another, this is, and again, ah. I used to say this as well. I actually remember when I met Craig and um I just had, was about to start working with Emma, my business partner mm-hmm. in Saturday, the nutrition coach, which you, everyone who listens to this will probably know. She's awesome. Um I remember, Because at that point I hadn't sort of indoctrinated Craig with the nutrition. As soon as I got on it, I was like, oh, you got to try this. I'm like, we've got to change your whole diet. And I just noticed that he didn't eat really any green vegetables. And I was like, why don't you eat any green vegetables? He's like, well, why should I? And I'm like, well, they're good for you. You know, just the typical, I didn't really fucking know, you know, and and he's like, well, how are they good for me? And I'm like, what about the nutrients? He's like, what nutrients? So maybe can you talk about that? So because people always go, oh, but you're missing out on nutrients. Mm Yeah.
0: Okay. So, if you if you you look at a whole nutrient profile of broccoli, for example, and if you even compare that to liver or heart or even just like a fillet or chicken thighs or something, it's it's so minuscule compared to those really really great nutrient sources. Um, you know, I mean, I could. Mm. I yeah, like so like like, right now, but like
1: yeah, vitamin yeah. C, for I example, people are like, oh, what do I say? But what, drink some orange juice. It's got like so much more vitamin C than. Yeah. Yeah. Like having,
0: having animal products and then fruit, mm. you're going to get everything you need. I mean, really you are. Um, yeah. It's- as long as you're eating enough calories, you're going to get a lot more too. Versus if you're just having like almond milk and spinach <laughs> smoothies. I used to do that too. Um, but like if I were to add up all the nutrients of what I used to eat versus what I eat now, it was so low in the beginning. Um, And I wonder why I was hypothyroid and why I was still struggling with my health. It's because I wasn't getting enough nutrients. Mm. And because I was eating what I thought was healthy, I was eating like whole 30 and
1: things. And Courtney, do they have any um, chemicals in them that say affect thyroid function? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. The uh, goikergens, that's mm. what you're saying, right? The goikergens. I feel I like i think I'm so. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like always reading- i enough. Always yeah. like, I'm not that great at pronouncing things, but I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah. So they remove iodine, basically. So if you're hypothyroid, you're going to benefit from avoiding these things. Another thing is cassava is one of those things too, unfortunately. Mm. So although cassava is great and I- I love it. It's not something I have a ton because mm. it is a goitrogen, So mm. that's not really good for thyroid function. So, so I guess it's
1: like, when you're thinking about food and this really helped me, was like the bioavailability. So, okay. Yeah. It contains nutrients, but how easy is it for your body to actually break down absorb and like get those nutrients out of the food. And I think like green vegetables, yes, it does have nutrients, but you mentioned Mm anti-nutrients,
0: you know, it's hard
1: to digest. It it can feed gut bacteria. Um, You know, whereas say you look at a glass of orange juice, very easy to digest, lots of great energy, potassium, magnesium, vitamin C, you know, it's like, I think we're just so conditioned to these like clean and healthy when they're really like when you think about it a bit more critically and I don't blame women because I was the same. You know, I was like the antichrist when it came to bloody sugar, but when you actually understand (laughs) the the foods and how they digest in your body like the broccoli. So another one is um, which you talked about before. So I was like right into the nuts. So I ate, there was this stuff, I don't know if you have it in America, like it's called ABC butter. So almond, it's ABC, almond something brazil nuts and cashew nuts i used to eat heaps of almonds i'd make my own almond milk (laughs) i ate lots of seeds like pumpkin seeds so can you talk about why they potentially might also not be so great for Mm -hmm. us after all
0: Mm -hmm. anti-nutrients phytic acid mycotoxins i would say mycotoxins are probably going to be the number one thing Mm. they're so moldy and so of course you're going to have responses. I hear everything from itchy throat to joint pain. Anytime mm-hmm. I have too many nuts, which that hasn't happened in forever, but in the past I would have joint pain from them. Um, mm-hmm. My husband, if he ever has nuts, he gets an itchy throat and I don't automatically think, Oh, what's wrong with him. I'm thinking these nuts must be super moldy, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause when they're stored to almonds are some of the worst mm-hmm. um but yeah they're they're just not good not good for digestion
1: mm-hmm.
0: so many people do so much better when they cut the nuts out and a lot mm-hmm. of times a lot of women are actually having tons of almond butter cuz they just want butter like mm-hmm. real butter like yeah. or milk or cream or ice cream and they're over here with a spoon and a jar of almond butter just desperately having spoonfuls and also it is hurting their macro balance as well because they're having mm. way more so fat if they just let themselves have some butter and you know have some cheese like god mm. forbid to have some cheese um yeah so and the PUFAs
1: the polyunsaturated fats <laughs> too <laughs>
0: yeah and another thing yeah tons of PUFAs um I would say brazil nuts are the lowest in PUFAs mm. they had more monounsaturated but still there is not a huge need for them, and it's not natural to be eating them as often or as in as much of a quantity as people are, like mm. stop making cheese out of nuts, stop having like yeah you know, like, out of yeah. yeah, yes, it's like wow this this doesn't really seem necessary to me, but it yeah okay
1: (laughs) I think I think too like I just want to comment and say like I don't want people to think oh god I can never eat nuts or I can never eat broccoli it's like just don't go to the extremes you know like you don't need to just be eating like nuts five times a day eating almond butter you know eating a ton of green vegetables I think it's like everything if you want to have some green vegetables have them you know like and once your digestion has improved like I've found a lot of clients like then they'll occasionally have some like they might have some toasted um, uh, pine nuts on a salad or something like that and it's not a problem you know they might make a salad and it'll have some spinach in it it's not a problem but it's because they've really worked on improving everything and now their body can handle that those foods again it's like mm-hmm. like which I was never good at was practicing moderation mm-hmm. you know like eat this way most of the time and have these things sometimes just don't go like Hell for leather and eat only nuts and only seeds. What's another one? I'm trying to think. Oh, bloody green juices. I used to like smash that wheatgrass and <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yes. Spinach I, juice. I think, um, really, nuts and greens are probably the two most common ones. I'm trying to think. I mean, I used to have like a lot of bars instead of mm. just having real food. Um, I remember I Restricted carbs, because mm. a random personal trainer friend told me to prior to my wedding, and I totally didn't need to. I was just I was just thinking, oh, okay, like I guess everyone does this before they get yeah, like before they get married. And so I was doing hit for like 30 minutes a day, which is way too long. And I was trying to eat, this is really painful. I was trying to eat hundred grams of carbs a day. Oh, Thirty God. minutes of and hundred grams of carbs. Are you I Yes. And I literally, um, one time I was eating like an RX bar, which not a fan. They have like flavoring, no hate towards them. I don't, uh, they're probably not going to listen to this podcast or anything. (laughs) You know, (laughs) no hate, no affiliation. Um, but I ate one, then I Mm -hmm. ate another one then I ate another one. And I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Um, I was like, why can I not like, Mm -hmm. Stop eating carbs, um, because my body needed them. But yeah, I had I had a lot of bars back in the day. Um, I guess having like egg whites alone mm, is another thing. That's kind of yeah.
1: Just I used to eat egg white. I remember I ate egg white and spinach omelets Ooh, for breakfast. A- so bad, actually. What's another thing? So grains. Let's talk about grains. So, uh-huh. um, you know, traditionally, anciently, how were grains eaten that made them easier to digest, or how are they prepared?
0: yeah they were typically like sprouted right
1: mm. Soaked. people would soak them yeah, yeah. yeah
0: usually they were soaked, usually sprouted mm. usually in moderation too so mm. um now it's like it's it's really hard to eat at a restaurant i don't know how it is in australia like i don't know if mm. they have like healthier options they have some healthy places here for sure mm. like i live pretty close to the city and so there are healthy options but still for the most part if you're trying to go and eat out at a restaurant or get anything mm. takeout. take out. Everything is gluten basically, mm. um, or a grain, like it's either wheat or corn. Mm. Um, it's, it's really hard to find alternatives. Like, can we just mm. use potatoes? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have, have a lot of inflammation because of that, because they're not prepared in the right way. They're also high in mycotoxins. So Mm -hmm. it's another huge thing I emphasize, especially if anyone's had mold exposure, Mm
1: -hmm. they're going
0: to respond to these things that are high in mycotoxins, like nuts, like grains, because Mm -hmm. they have the off gases of mold because Mm -hmm. they get really moldy because when you store grains, even with beer, a lot Mm -hmm. of people have histamine reactions and just, You know, they just have issues if they have a beer, but maybe they can have like a craft beer that was prepared in a better way versus those that are made with really moldy grains. Um, And so that's another example of, you know, it also has a lot to do with the quality of what a person's eating um, Mm. and the context there. But yeah, Mm. grains can be a huge issue for people
1: can you talk about brown rice versus white rice? Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, I can't believe you're recommending the eat white rice, not brown rice.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really high in arsenic. That's mm-hmm. one thing. And it's just harder on digestion. So having like white basmati is going to be a better option for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, having it with enough protein, I think a lot of people are hesitant because of the glycemic index. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a purpose behind high glycemic foods. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing that needs to be talked about. Um, But you know, most people are just going to respond a lot better to white rice over, over brown rice.
1: So would you, when we talk about starches, would you recommend that? So if someone's going to eat some white rice or potato, that they have some protein and fat with it at the same time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Never, ever, ever alone. Like, i i typically emphasize like a one-to-one ratio if there's insulin resistance or anything like that maybe just start out there even with snacks um or like a two to one and then at most which i don't even do this like Mm -hmm. a three to one Mm -hmm. uh but that's more so you know if you're pregnant and if you have like an aversion towards meat, or if that just makes you feel really good and you get great Mm. results, you can also do that. If your body can handle it, Mm. an individual knows what they can do. So, you know, Mm. that's hundred percent, a personal choice. Um, but yeah, anytime you're having carbs have some protein and fat with it. So, Mm. and typically if you're having animal protein, that's just going to happen either with eggs or dairy or meat. So,
1: Mm. Mm. um, yeah, actually back to the I just this made me think about it. I don't I can't remember who told me this but um they were talking about bears and when they go into hibernation in winter that they eat a lot of nuts and seeds and they actually slow their resting metabolic rate and they come out of that being like pre-diabetic and then when they come out of hibernation into summer they eat fruit and honey like they look for that sweetness.
0: Yes, I think that was
1: jessica yeah yeah i can remember with it with one of her is... posts which yeah. makes, makes complete yeah. sense you know like yeah. eating all the nuts and the seeds so high in puberty yeah. yeah um yeah and i think we're just so conditioned to think that sugar is the enemy and fruit is the enemy like i would have never drunk juice ever like i was like oh no juice is the same as coke, <laughs> as the same as you know like <laughs> well not coke but it's soft drink you know yeah Insane. It's so insane. So let's talk yeah. about then what are some things that people can do like to improve mm. their digestion and overall, I guess, metabolic um, rate. So what are some good, let's talk about the foods first that may be quite healing to the intestines.
0: Mm, yeah, that's, a, that's mm. a good point. Yeah. Well, a lot of times I'll recommend like herbal infusions with mm. marshmallow root, slippery yeah. elm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll recommend aloe at night. Um, a lot of times, you know, it can help with constipation if that is what someone's struggling with. Um, and I'll, I'll also typically have them kind of ease up or at least try reducing those maps. So two mm. really surprising ones that not a lot of people are able to even draw a connection with, um, it's actually onion and garlic. So mm. those can cause a ton of issues and they feed bacteria, which is a good thing if you're in a good state. So mm. you want to be eating prebiotics. Um, but you might need to take a pause from them and from probiotics. If you are struggling with like major SIBO, like mm. if you're floating after every meal or if you're even just bloated constantly, then having a period of time where, mm. um, you know, you're removing some things like maps, basically. Mm. Um, and of course, other elements too. It really depends on what a person is experiencing. But by taking a little time off from these things, kind of like pausing the nuts, pausing all the greens, things like that. Mm. It gives your body an opportunity to really just be able to process the things that are best for it. And Mm. the only time I ever restrict is to allow for greater freedom in the future, because eventually Mm. there will become a point in time or yeah, there will be a point in time where you have to restrict because you are just reacting. So just visibly where you have no other choice, but the only time I ever recommend more of a healing style of a diet is, is literally when I'm able to see, okay, if you do this, there's a good chance you'll have more resiliency towards these foods. You'll be able to process them better. You just need a little bit of time to take them out. So even like onion and garlic and a lot of green veggies, raw veggies, Mm. uh, eat, even, even like too much sweet potato, that can be a trigger for some people. So mm-hmm. trying to identify, okay, what maps are triggering to me? So the whole acronym is, um, it's, it's, a uh, ogliosaccharides, ogliosaccharides, disaccharides, um, FOD, (laughs) monosaccharides, and alleles. So there are all these different things and not everyone will respond to all of these foods, but that is an element that I do use with my clients who have SIBO because they need to understand what is triggering me and what do I maybe need to think about long-term, at least being aware of. Most of my clients are able to tolerate everything after, but of course I'll have clients where they understand that onion and garlic in excess are just not going to be their friend, even Mm. though they get to a place, for example, where they can process the lactose and dairy and break it down because they healed so much. They still might have their things that they're triggered by. So I would say identifying that is going to be really important, but also lowering stress, sleeping Mm in a, trying to enjoy your life, processing emotions, laughing. Like that's an important one. Just having fun, um, even if you have work, even if you have other stuff to do, there's still time to, oh. you know, enjoy your life. And if you can't, you might want to think about that because that's really going to have much more of an impact on your health and just harm any of those things you want to achieve. Like mm. it's cool to achieve things, but it's really cool to not burn yourself out and to not end up hating your life and being in a place where where you're really miserable and you're like, not good to those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a downward spiral. And I think it happens to a lot of people and it's understandable because a lot of times in the culture, it's like work, work, work. If you rest, you're bad, you're lazy or not achieving. And you'll get a lot more done if you, if you actually understand that a part of the cycle is having rest and it'll make you more productive. Um, so I would say managing stress. Um, Of course, you know, like avoiding things that are raw, kind of like I said with veggies, but then also like, if you have issues with your gut, maybe don't have sushi or be really aware if you are traveling, Mm -hmm. uh, like overseas or something, like you might want to pack some snacks with you Mm -hmm. just in case you're like, hey, we're having fish tonight. (laughs) And and, (laughs) in this like other country, maybe I should, you know, just this other thing um, you know everyone is different with what triggers them and with what their story is kind of like what I mentioned a lot of people they don't even know what that story would have been if it could have been written about them because they've been really stressed up to this point of getting to this really bad place in their health but even every everything from mold exposure to you know not being like nursed as a baby they just might really struggle with their microbiome and might need to, you know, have help understanding what they might need at this point in order to restore them back to a place of maybe where they've never been before, honestly. Um, Mm. so yeah.
1: That makes sense. And what about just finally to finish off just some, I don't know And obviously everyone's going to be different. They've got to find what works for them, but just some sort of general Um, like foods, you know, like you and I talk about like gelatinous broths and yeah. well-cooked fruits and saturated fats, um, you know, easy mm-hmm. to digest carbs, what are so, or carrot salad, mushrooms, cooked mushrooms. What are some of these yeah. foods that people can focus on eating that are going to, you know, mm-hmm. just be easier for them to digest and potentially more healing to the gut?
0: Yeah, well, a few easy ones would be finding root that you respond well to, if you're having histamine issues, you might want to be aware of that. Mm. Um, but kind of identifying what makes you feel good, what helps you not bloat and then animal proteins that you respond well to. If you're having an issue with dairy, like instead of having it from a cow, Mm. try the goat dairy. Mm. Um, if you're having issues with beef, try bison, Issues with eggs, try some duck eggs instead of chicken eggs. You know, yeah. kind of all or not alternate, but more so like rotate what you're eating too if you're having issues with your gut. Uh, but just in general, kind of like what you mentioned, like animal protein, having the broth, having the gummies, raw carrot salad. I know you have a lot on your feed, I have a lot on mine. Yeah. All those easy to process things are just going to be really helpful for most people. But I will say if you're having a negative reaction to a few of these things, for example, um, with the collagen, that can Mm. cause histamine issues for some people. So Mm. that might just be an indication that you need a little bit of extra help, a little extra work. So,
1: Mm. Mm. well, that's that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much and I really appreciate you uh, coming on and and sharing your story and I really hope that people get a lot out of this and some things that they can um, actually go and implement because I know just from Craig, like when someone has gut issues, digestive issues, it's just the worst. Like it really would affect his the days when he was bad. Like I could see it in his eyes and he'd be really like it just really affect how his mood and his sleep. So I can, even though I haven't gone through that, that wasn't one of my issues. Mm -hmm. I can see how it would really impact people and their day-to-day lives and it would be awful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I completely agree, yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, guys, I will drop um, Courtney's details in the show notes so you can um, find her on Instagram. So go uh, and follow her because you'll learn heaps as well. And yeah, thanks again um, for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me on, Kitty.
1: Bye. Bye.